You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. This week and next week, we're going to be looking at this idea of um, community. In fact, the, the, the two-week series we've entitled Better Together. And uh, this idea of faith, here's, faith is very personal. It is. It's an individual decision. It's, it's very personal. It's very intimate. But faith was never meant to be lived out in isolation of other people. Faith was always intended to be lived out in community with other Christ followers. We're called to belong, not to believe. Jesus said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The call was to follow him, pursue Jesus. We're called to be a part of what he's doing. It isn't just an acknowledgement of faith. It's not a cognitive decision. Psalm, the Old Testament, Psalm 133, references this. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And in the New Testament, we've seen the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, there's this idea of living life together and sharing life together. And so we're going to take some time and look at it uh, here today and then again next week. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, during one of my uh, college breaks, uh, so this goes back a few years, I was talking with my pastor at the time, and uh, I had shared with him just my sense, my calling uh, to ministry, what I you know, thought that might look like and how I was processing that. And so he asked me, he says, what are your dreams? What are your, what's your vision? What do you, what, for the future, for ministry, what would you like to see? <clears throat> and uh, I remember I, I thought very little about it because in the back of my mind, I already kind of knew what I was hoping for and aspiring for. And so I remember saying something to the effect of, I want to see the book of Acts come alive in my lifetime. I just thought that would be the coolest thing to see the book of Acts come to life in my lifetime. So in my mind, that there's a passage we're going to read here right now that really epitomizes that. So as we read this passage here from the book of Acts, See if it doesn't paint for you a picture of what the church should be like or what community should be like, what life together should be like. Um, Let's read this together. There's uh, five verses, um, but let's read it out loud together, can we? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for your word, and thank you, Father, for this picture that we have of what was happening in the book of Acts, and the very beginning of the the formation, establishment of your church, of the the people of Christ. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we look at this a little bit more today, that it would come alive within our own hearts as well. So speak to us individually, but Lord, speak to us as collectively, as a group as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Um, as most of you know, um, <clears throat> early in July, I was in Nigeria for a week, uh, part of a teaching assignment as part of a residency for a course I'm teaching on adult learning, essentially how do adults learn and, and communication. And so all if, all, if most, if not all of my students are in ministry, um, even as some of them are actually in um, um, corporate type of roles, but they're using ministry, they're involved in ministry even in that role. So it's very much from a Christian standpoint perspective. Well, anyways, the first of the assignments were due this past Sunday. So I've been grading papers uh, this week, and I've got a bunch more to grade this afternoon. And, um, but in each of the papers, the <clears throat> reason why it takes me, I've got 20, 29 students, and so there's a lot of papers to go through, and each one I try to make comments that are helpful to them. So it's not just critiquing their grammar or just the quality of the response. I'll often put in, I'll throw in questions. Hey, what about this? Or why didn't you about that? And so my intent there is not, I'm not looking for a response back from them. I'm just wanting to help them think a little bit more about this, is to help expand their thought process. Um, so anyways, I got, so some of my grade, I actually got a response back from one of my students. And so let me read you, here's what he said. His name is Fabian. Um, as a pastor, he says, Dear Dr. Sam, he says, Thank you so much for your feedback. I have read through your comments and I'm encouraged. Your questions make me think more widely and point out, what I have, point out what I have reflected on but left out. I must say that going through the residency and through the material so far has changed my perspective about my own preaching. It answered a question I'd asked myself for so long. Why do I keep preaching and yet most don't appear to fully grasp the message or their life's not being transformed? So I am glad to enroll in this course. <clears throat> Thank you, sir, and God bless. Um, that email made my day. Actually, it made my week. It was, it was one of the... One of, the fact that I could have a part in someone's life and ministry is just what... It, for me, that's what, it's, that's what it does. And it lasts this past spring, I had, in one of my other uh, classes... Um, I, so I wasn't traveling. It was a different course that I was teaching. Another student, he's, um, he's actually in the country of Zambia, but he's a bishop. He oversees 30 different churches. Hundreds of people are under his influence. <clears throat> and he and I have a chance to interact and talk about ministry and what that looks like. And, and <clears throat> the idea that I could have even a secondary influence on people like that is just so powerful for me. It's... it's Really, the, the opportunity that I have to travel and to teach is probably one of the coolest things I do. It really is. But here's the thing. This amazing experience that I have and the feedback I get from students and the interaction, it doesn't happen without a price. So all of you who have been here a little while also know that I don't like to fly. And every one of these trips requires multiple flights. My last time this past January to Nigeria, four different flights just to get there. Some of the legs are eight, nine, even 10 hours long sitting in a plane. 24 to 30 hours of travel each way. Overnight flights. I know some of you, I don't sleep well on a plane. Um, and then even when you get there, even when you come back, you've got jet lag you're dealing with for days. That's never fun. And the food, they've got some pretty funky food. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I, I, uh, 
I'm not picky, I'm not finicky, but some of this stuff is, is a little beyond me. And <clears throat> every now and then, I pick up a bug or virus in my travel. Actually, just in Nigeria, I picked up a cold that I'm still fighting the after effects of, of, of that. Um, <clears throat> and then I've got three months of assignments to grade. I don't like grading papers. But to get the kind of response that I got from this student, to get from this pastor, to, to have this kind of strategic impact for the kingdom of God, I have to go through the other stuff too. You can't have one with the other. You see, here's what I've discovered. More often than not, you don't get the benefit and joy of something without going through some sort of effort to get there. You can't have one without the other. The verse we read a few minutes ago is the same thing. Internally, it's like, oh, to to be part of a group like that where it's just such a powerful sense of community and living life together and you're seeing the power of God manifest and things are happening and lives are being changed and transformed. To be along, to be a part of something with such life and such meaning and purpose, like, oh, wouldn't that be great? That'd be so wonderful. It asks the question, well, why don't we experience a church community like that? My answer is that because more often than not, we're not willing to endure the challenging stuff that comes along with a strong sense of community. One of the reasons why we don't experience community is because doing life together is messy. Think about it. Each of us is different. We have different personalities, different preferences, things we like or dislike. None of us are perfect. Every one of us has issues. We're at different stages of life. Some of us are young, some of us are old, some of us are single, some married, some have kids, some have no kids. We're in different life circumstances. Some of us are in really good health, some of us are struggling in some areas, some of us are financially secure and stable, some of us are struggling to make it day to day. Put all of us together and what do you have? <laughs> community. <laughs> you have a recipe for disaster, don't you? I mean, you think about it, all the diverse, all the things, and you put them all together and move, and, and it really can be, well, here's the thing. Disagreements are inevitable. They are. It, it's, if two people are together long enough, it's not a question of if they have a disagreement. It's just a question of when. So when you put a group of people together, the potential for that is just magnified. It's not just us. I mean, it's not just us in this room or any other church. The New Testament church was a mess. We read about what, the, what was happening in the book of Acts, but what we actually see what was happening in Paul's other letters, in Corinthians, in Galatians, and he's writing and he's addressing some of the issues that they're facing, and you realize, holy smokes, this was not a neat, tidy thing. This was a really chaotic mess. And yes, there was an amazing sense of God's presence and power and lives are being changed and transported. But in the middle of all that, there was all kinds of stuff. There was Paul and some of Paul's letters. Here's just some of the topics. Heresy, just really bad theology, things saying about God and belief that was just wrong. Jealousy, pride, disunity, and some really major forms of immorality. In fact, in one statement, Paul even says, even the pagans don't do this. It's so bad, even the bad people don't do this kind of action. And that's just for the group that was in the city of Corinth. There were other cities and other groups as well. Here's the thing, doing life 
together can be really messy. It can. So another reason why we don't experience community, I think, is because we think we're too busy to make time for other people. Do you ever have a, someone, you know, whether it's a friend or a coworker, someone you, you like, you know, someone you enjoy, and, and um, you know, one of you says, hey, we need to get together. And the other says, yeah, yeah, we need to do that. Let's do it. I'll call you. And days go by, and then weeks and months, and you still never call, and never happens. And this is my growth point. This is, this is one of the areas where I, and it's, it's not a question of desire or intent. I mean, I have all the desire and intent. For me, it's just a matter of just, I just got to pick up the phone or send the email. I just got to make, just put it on the calendar. You just got to make it happen and schedule it. And it's, it's really kind of just a matter of priorities of time. What are you going to make time to do? Um, I had a friend uh, in high school, really good friend, and uh, he even came to our wedding, uh, you know, after college. And but after I got married, I lost for about a year. We kept in touch. Then I lost track of him. Uh, we moved to, to Pittsburgh, and then we just lost track. And I mean, I, I hadn't I hadn't heard from. Him. I didn't, didn't know where he was. And then I found him on LinkedIn about a year ago. <clears throat> so it had been thirty some years since we had talked or seen or. And so I actually sent him an email and said, hey, are you John such such from such? He goes, why, yes, I am. And I said, what's your cell phone number? I'll call you. And so I got his cell phone number, and it sat in my folder there for months until about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I said, why? And I actually, so we actually I called him, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't pick up. He was actually in a meeting, and so he called me back later, and uh, he didn't catch me. We left a message, so we actually said, it to him, hey, let me call you tomorrow night. And um, so we finally had a chance to talk and connect and just to relive some of our memories. Like, hey, remember when we did this? And it's like, man, I forgot all about that. And for over an hour, we just relived some of our great memories. And we promised not to let so much time go by again until we talked and connected. And you've got to make time. You just do. Um, we make time. That's why I always tell my kids growing up, I said, never, ever, ever tell anyone that you didn't do something because you're too busy. Even if, it's, even if you think it's true, never use that as an excuse because what you've actually are saying to them is that what you're asking me to do or what you want me to do is actually not important enough for me to reprioritize my schedule to accommodate you. So whether you intend to say that or not, that's what you're saying. Because we all have the same amount of hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time available to us. But we make time for the things that are most important to us. Community doesn't happen, I think, for for many of us because we don't invest the time in the relationships that we need to. Another reason why we don't experience community is because we live in a society that encourages autonomy and independence. I mean, the U.S. was founded on the idea of independence. Our first national doc- document is what? The Declaration of Independence. Independence is part of our national identity as Americans. This idea that I can do it myself, I can make it on my own. Now, we can discuss the pros and cons of that quality for a long time because there's some benefits to that and there's some things that aren't so good, but here's what I know. 
No one who possesses an attitude of autonomy and independence will experience the community like we just read about in the book of Acts. If you're looking for the kind of life in Christ and the kind of power that comes from living with others and sharing life together, you can't encounter that if you're wanting to live life on your own and independent of others. One last reason why we don't experience community is that we are deceived in believing we can do life better on our own. And we spent a few weeks talking about this back in July. So let me just reaffirm this idea that wanting, this idea of wanting to live life on your own terms is the epitome, is the essence of sin. Wanting to do it myself. It's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden where we wanted to make, live our own life and make our own decisions. And from the very beginning, that's been the temptation. So we've identified, we looked at four reasons why we tend to avoid community. So how then should we think about it? How should we think about this idea? of What is maybe God's design of community? Well, the first thing we, I think would be important to look at is that God created us as relational beings in his image and likeness. Genesis, he said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. <clears throat> Wait, go back, back, back. No, no, that was... That was let us, look at that, let us make man in our image. Our, who's the our? God's, who's God talking to in this? And there could be a lot of discussion as to what is this, was it angels or? We, 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 it doesn't say, does it? But you know what? There's clearly God's not alone in this, is he? Here's the thing, I, I do think that, I think God exists in community. I think when we look at this idea of the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they, they are the three in one. God himself exists in community. The other thing about that passage, then at, at the bottom, male and female, he created them. In fact, when he made Adam first, he kind of stood by and says, yeah, this isn't good. It's not good for him to be alone. He needs, he needs someone else. He needs help. You know, he's, he, this isn't good. It's not working the way it is, and it needs to change. And <clears throat> he made both man and male and female and put them together. So from the very beginning, again, there's this idea of being together, of sharing life together with others has been part of what God's design intent was. Whereas independence might be part of our national or cultural identity, it is counter to our human identity. We were created for relationships. We do better when we have others with whom we can love, we can serve, we can have fun, and we can share life. When we're with other people, we're at our best. Another thing about community is that the church was birthed in community. Go back to the verse I read up top in, um, in, in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 2 and verses 42 through 47. We read about what, you know, what was happening and they devoted themselves and they were gathering together and breaking bread and praying and they were filled with awe and miracles were happening and new people were coming and they were joining and their numbers were growing and all those things were happening. 
What had happened immediately prior to this verse was Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had come. They were together, just the, 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 the apostles and some of the followers, immediate followers of Jesus. They're praying some estimates. Maybe there is a hundred people at most. You know, they're gathering together, praying and fasting, and the Holy Spirit fell. <clears throat> the sound, it sounded like a rushing wind, and everyone outside gathered and said, what's going on? What's all the commotion? Peter talked, and 3,000 people were added to faith that day. And then it talks about this. So from the very beginning, the church, the idea of community, of sharing life together was part of God's design and intention. Have you ever been a part of a group like that? That's in Acts chapter 2. Been part of a group of people who shared life together so profoundly. This is what God intended our lives as Christ followers to be like. It wasn't that we had right theology, that we had the right beliefs. It wasn't. It was that we shared life together and we went through life together. This is why um, some of you may have noticed that um, with, when we have communion here, um, it's an open communion in the sense that you don't have to be a member of our church, but you do need to have been made a decision to follow Jesus, that there's been an intentional part on your, on your um, life to, to, to surrender your life and to, to follow him. And it's interesting, when we're serving communion, serving the people up front is just kind of really um, awkward, they're playing instruments. They're, they're looking at me. So it's just kind of an awkward thing. And for the servers, it's like, well, how do we navigate this? Because, you know, it's just, the whole thing's awkward. And so, but we talked about it. I said, you know what? I get all the awkwardness and I can, I appreciate that. But here's the thing that's really important to me. Communion is to be done together. It's a community together thing. We got to figure out the awkwardness. We got to do this. I want us to be able to do this all together Let's figure it out. So if you're, we're, still, we're still trying to figure that out. So it still may look awkward and still might, uh, like how we're doing it. But, but we're going to do it together because that's important. And that's what I think God intended for all of us. And that's just an example of how that can be lived out. Another thing I think it's important for us to realize is that when you submitted your life to Christ, you were adopted into God's family. Just as you were physically born into a family, so you were spiritually born again into a bigger family, the family of God. And yes, there are some weird family members, okay? Um, But they're still our family. They're still our family. Lastly, the church functions at its highest level of effectiveness in community. What is the distinguishing feature for, the Christ, for, the, uh, for Christians? For Christian community, what's the distinguishing characteristic? So, somebody said it. Love. It's not about having the right theology. It's not about having the best building. It's not about having ample parking. Um, it's not about anything that we might look at as external characteristics. It's love. Jesus, in the book of John... <clears throat> He said this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Think about that. 
They won't know you're my disciples because you can lay out the best arguments. You can defeat them in a Facebook dialogue about some social issue. <clears throat> That's not how they're going to know you're part of my group. It's your love for one another. It's how you treat one another that becomes really powerful. <clears throat> Here's what I know. It's impossible to show love to anyone unless you engage them in one form or another. You've, you've got to engage with people in order to show love and express love. You cannot show love for others when you live life on your own. I believe with all my heart that the depth of community and the power experienced by the early church is just as real for us today. I do. I think we can, think we can see the book of Acts come alive. We just need to be willing to give ourselves to what God wants to do among us. Next week, we'll have a chance to, we're going to explore this a little bit further, and we'll actually have a chance to, to um, we'll, we'll actually talk about some of the groups that are available. Um, you know, so whether it's a life group where you're meeting others, or maybe it's an affinity group where you're doing an activity that you resonate with, and, but there's some sense of sharing life together. So we're going to have a, a practical application, if you will, of, of groups for, uh, for you to be able to have next week. Um, so I guess my, my encouragement is just between now and then is to be praying, say, God, what are you calling me? If you're calling me to be a part of this community of faith, what does that look like? And what might that be? Or is there something you're wanting to stir within me? It might look like giving yourself to serve some children once a month. It might look like, I don't know, it could like any number of four. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, um, as we've gathered here today, we've uh, lifted up our voices in song um, to worship you, and we've uh, given of our finances as a token, as a gesture of our faith, and uh, as an act of worship, because we're recognizing your authority in our life and your power and your influence in our life, even with our area of finances. And uh, Lord, as we've explored your word, we've, uh, Lord, attempted to understand a little bit more about what you're doing within community, what you want to do within a body like ours, and how we can look at a group that existed 2,000 years ago and realize that there's things about them that while messy and while it may have been somewhat chaotic at times, there was still something so incredibly profound occurring. Father, it's my desire to be a part of that, that, that Grace Covenant Statesville would have that sense as well. <laughs> Lord, I'm, if I'm really honest, I'll admit I'm not really looking forward to some of the problems and challenges they experience, but I certainly do want to see your power manifest in us. And Lord, if that requires us sharing life in times when it's not easy, Lord, then, then that's a price, Lord, I would hope all of us are willing to pay. So, Lord, in the, the time ahead, I ask that you'd continue to work in our own hearts. And, Father, clarify that uh, to which you're calling us. So, Lord, we have a sense of, of where you're leading and, and, Lord, what we might need to do to, to pursue that path in a way that would honor you. Father, for any who are here this morning who might be feeling alone or isolated, <clears throat> Father, my heart would go out to them. And, my Father, my prayer would be that here... 
even if it's just been for this past hour, they felt a sense of community. Uh, Lord, being able to just be in fellowship and be in proximity with others. Father, whether it's uh, just being able to connect with somebody socially during our greeting time and uh, just be able to connect. So, Father, but if there's someone who's really struggling, I pray that they would sense your love and your affirmation more than anything else. And then, Lord, my prayer was that there would be people that would come across their path that would bring them a sense of hope, a sense of life, a sense of joy. Lord, that they wouldn't no longer believe and accept this feeling of isolation. That they would recognize it for what it is, and that's a lie of the enemy, trying to deceive and to discourage. Father, for any who might be resistant to this because of the price is a little high, Father... My prayer would be that all of us would, would be willing to follow you, regardless of the path that may lead us. For Lord, when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to go through the, the actions, go through the process, when we're willing to do the things we need to do, when we're willing to share life together, we can see come to life the book of Acts. And so, Father, that's my prayer this day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.